Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose. Reporting from beautiful British Columbia, how is everybody doing? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm in like weather announcer mode. Um, I'm coming up on the end of what's turned into a two-week trip. Feeling good. Feeling a little loopy. Uh, I came here to do some very serious business. All in one trip, I tried to fit a wedding, a conference, and a hiking trip. Like, I guess, as usual, my all or nothing gene was in full effect. Um, two out of three of those got canceled mid-trip. So I did the wedding. It was great. It was lovely. And uh, yeah, for various reasons, the other two got canceled. So I'm out west to try to get home. Uh, I have got no proper recording equipment. We're just raw dogging it today with some AirPods, um, an equi room, uh, and a hope and a dream. But <laughs> I'll be home soon. It's been... It's been amazing. It's also, it's been a whirlwind. Um, I think any of you guys who've been around for a while know that I used to, I used to live out West. I used to live in this, this rural town that I've been hanging out in. And um, it's funny because I feel like as Canadians, you spend so much time dispelling myths about Canada. I mean, like, no, we don't take toboggans to school. We don't all live in the Arctic. And then I'm in this town and like, I feel like it's almost like, playing a prank on me because it's like every Canadian stereotype that like I didn't even know was real until I spent time here like this town is like full of bears like full of bears and they're like I don't know how to say that they're like friendly bears they're all black bears which aren't as like attacky as grizzlies like grizzlies are like drunk bros like they'll just fight you for like no reason um but black bears are pretty chill these ones are pretty well fed off of like fruit trees and like garbage so they just kind of hang out um, I saw three in the week that I've been here. Um, 
and the guys are so cute. Like, I don't know if any of you guys saw them on my Instagram story. They look like, I don't know, like a fat version of like my dog. I just want to like, I just want to like hug their neck. Like I'm not going to, um, but yeah, they're just roaming around. It's like, you'll see a black bear and then on one side and you'll turn to the other side and there's just like, you know, a guy walking with like a plaid jacket with like a hockey stick, like over his shoulder. It's like, it's a real, it's a scene, but I'm, um, good to head back to the land of sassy, grumpy folks and pastries. Um, and I like, you know, I say grumpy with as a full term of endearment. Um, it was, it was nice talking to my guest, Ashley Hamilton this week, just talking about the similarities between New York and Montreal culturally. I just, they keep the SAS level at a high, high, high volume, high level, whatever. I, I like it. I feel, I feel like my full gremlin self. Um, it's good. Anyhow, uh, speaking of our guest, we've got Ashley Hamilton of Celebrity Memoir Book Club. We had a great conversation about the court of public opinion and our thoughts on some hot topics and how we kind of reconcile the public discourse with our own opinions. So we we go into full depth about Olivia Wilde and the don't worry darling of it all. We get into the timeline. We talk about the history a bit of directors in Hollywood and their behaviors and how we treat them. We also got into a conversation about celebrities going through very public mental health crises and the different ways that they're discussed and like the ones that get handled with kid gloves, the ones who don't more specifically Cara Delevingne, Kanye West and Gabby Hanna, who all recently had a very public crisis and just analyzed how we address that. And yeah, we also got into, I guess what all roads with me lead back to uh, the topic of the trauma that pop culture in the two thousands bestowed upon me as a fragile adolescent who is now a very fragile adult, just trying to, I don't know, pick up the pieces of that time that seems to be coming back. I don't know. Well, we're going to get into in the episode. But uh, for now, I want to get into it. I First, I must mention that on the Patreon this week, which if you're new here, it comes out every Wednesday. It's $5 a month. Uh, I'm with Sammy P. And we're doing what we do best, uh, roasting people that irk us. But this time it's good. It's this time it's a trifecta of scammers. Uh, I'm going to use the term doctor very loosely here, but we're covering the skeletons in the closet of Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, and Dr. Drew. It's like a pseudo doctor like extravaganza. Um, also, new as of uh, a week ago, I'm switching gears. I'm donating 10% of the funds of Patreon every month. Um, they're currently going to this great organization called Homeboy Industries. And they're the largest gang rehabilitation and reentry program in the world for formerly incarcerated people. So they um, set them up with job training, therapy, emotional management, parenting classes, and just kind of work on various prison reform related causes and just have been on the ground for 30 years. Anyway, they're great. Um, Also, if you're just interested in just donating to them, I'll put their link in the episode description. Um, So that's it for the top of the show. And as for today, let's get into it. And you know, it wouldn't be my little spiel without my little request for five-star review, for subscribe, for a download, for your thoughts. You're always welcome to share your thoughts with me um, in the DMs, in the comments, wherever. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into today's episode. 
Okay, we're back with Ashley Hamilton, comic and podcaster over at Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Hey, Ashley. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to sit down and chat. Um, I'm feeling a little like naked right now without my mic, but I'm just stranded on the West Coast in like an echoey room with my AirPods. So yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. That happens to us all the time. I feel like whenever there's travel involved, I'm like, whatever, I've, there's an episode that has to go out and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's not like people are used to seeing me in a glossy studio. You know, they're just <laughs> used to seeing me looking haggard in my apartment. So like, I feel like the bar has been set low and I just, you know, it's good for expectations. Totally. Yeah. With me and Claire, we have a studio that we like made ourselves basically. And I mean, there's definitely... Uh, a lot that we didn't know. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. So whatever sound you get is what is whatever happened. We're doing our best. Everyone's just out here trying their best. <laughs> yeah. We said that we were passionate about various pop culture related topics, not audio engineering and quality. <laughs> exactly. And there yeah. are obviously people who do that professionally that we could have called, but I'm not good at asking for help. Okay. I I mean I feel like I go the opposite way where I'm like anyone and everyone can help me like I do not know <laughs> I do not know how to like fix this and I've watched one YouTube video and given up so <laughs> please help yeah yeah um so I love celebrity memoir book club I'm not alone in that I'm joined by many people including Dua Lipa I saw recently that was exciting I know. I'm, I wonder if it was like her intern or someone who's tasked with writing that newsletter or if it was actually her. It's definitely, it definitely could go either way, but it would be cool if it was actually her. I mean, yeah. Whether it's her an intern, um, people in her general vicinity are playing Celebrity Memoir Book Club, so I'm sure she's at least heard it. It's so crazy. We always, <laughs> when that happened, we were talking about like what things Dua Lipa knows about in our lives. And it's just so weird to be like, Dua Lipa knows about my dog. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't know if you feel this way too, but like, I feel like because I record like in my living room, like in my sweatpants, I feel very comfortable, like just airing like super personal bits of information. It's almost like I have to pretend like no one's going to hear it. And then when people like approach me, they're like, oh, I heard this episode. It's like a jump scare. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I'm like, how do you even know about that? Whenever people from my personal life are like, oh my God, I'm going to start listening to your podcast. I'm like, it's fine. You don't have to. I don't remember what I've said over the last five years of recording podcasts. There's probably something crazy. Yeah. Maybe with your last name specifically. So please just don't. I know. I know. I'm like here to stir the drama, but like not in my personal life. So like, I know, I know. I think when I first started TikTok, I contemplated blocking every person in my life. So I'd never see it. We are big name namers. We name names a lot. We stopped doing it so much on our main podcast, especially because we talk about our own personal lives a lot less, but we on our old podcast talked about our personal lives often and named names often. And I'm just like, wow. I didn't know that anyone would ever listen to us. <laughs> um, I know. And also like something that I try to remind myself too is like celebrities and us regular folk are like very intermingled on TikTok. Like it's not that I like think I'm this big deal or have these like grandiose thoughts, but I know it is very much in the realm of possibility that like any celebrity I'm talking about could watch that video. 
Yeah. The fact that it could come up on our FYP, I'm just like, oh my God, weird. And it's so funny when people use that as like a reason to bash you. When, when we were talking about Khloe Kardashian and whether or not her father is Robert Kardashian, we got like a handful of holier than thou ass bitches showing up being like, this could come up on Chloe's FYP and it would be so hurtful. And it's like, how about you take your narc ass home? Like, stop it. <laughs> I don't, I like, I just don't understand how people can be so fucking stupid and like not make the connection that if like no one's talking about these people, they have no career and no money. That's the thing is they have no, especially people like the Kardashians who I will give credit to. They are very successfully just overwhelmingly famous for no reason. Like they're not famous for doing nothing, but they are famous. They do a lot to stay famous, but they're famous for nothing. Do you know what I mean? I would say it's even worse than that. I would say, I mean, I think Kris Jenner is like brilliant. I think Kim is too. I think they have made this deal with the devil, but like, it's not even nothing. It's like their launching point was like the murder of Kris Jenner's best friend and her daughter's sex tape. And it's like, they spun gold out of that, but like, it's literally the most like sinister like reasons that they got famous. Like, they're not famous for, like, a skill, but their skill is staying famous. Like, I guess what I mean is when people kind of call it laziness, when they're, like, they just sit there and be famous, it's, like, it's not true. They're not lazy, but they are famous for no, like, they're famous for the talent of being famous, which they're very good at. For the talent of getting us to talk about them. Yeah, but to say that then there are certain things that are off limits is really unfair because with someone like them, if they're a musical artist, right, if... Like Taylor Swift had never talked about her love life and wanted us to stop talking about her love life. That would like kind of be fair because she's not like making it the topic of conversation. I mean, she does make it the topic of conversation, obviously, but like if that were the case, right. Or I'm trying to think of someone like Natalie Portman, right. If we spent a fuck ton of time speculating about her son, that would be fucked up because she very actively keeps her son out of the public eye. I don't really know that much about her son, except for like his first name. Like that's not our business because she's famous for acting and very specifically drew a line saying like, I am an actor. I'll talk about my acting. Don't talk about this. I'm not trying to profit off of it. I don't want it. It's none of your business. That's fair. The Kardashians have made everything our business. And then every now and then they'll pick a random thing and be like, never mind. That's not your business. And it's like, yes, it is. It is. Not and, and I agree. And I think most people's kids are off limits. And like, not that I'm going to go like, hmm. you know, bashing the Kardashian children. In fact, like, I think I would love to just switch places with stormy you know love love her vibes um but it's like they've involved them in their scandals like they've done photoshop scandals with like switching their heads on their bodies and like so they they're sitting around in the dreaming and scheming of like how to promote their show and they're like oh photoshopping like one kid's head onto another kid's head like that's when it becomes like fair game like anyone can say anything about it because like it's mind blowing that they would do that. It's to get us talking. And yeah, I, well, I, I kind of gladly fall for it. I mean, there's so much shit with them. We're like, I mean, like there are certain people who's like bodies. I'm like, we should never talk about their bodies. That's not like what they're about. That's not what they're promoting. The way the Kardashians have made their bodies, like not only a topic of conversation, but they've also like fully shifted the cultural standard of like beauty. And then they'll say like, this is none of your business. And it's like, shut up. That's not true. Yeah. Chloe, tell me what the fuck you've done 
because it's absolutely, she like wrote a book about her body. She had a TV show about bodies. And now for her to be like, it's none of your business, what I do to my body. That's not true. <laughs> I love how they troll us with that. I love how they just bold face lie. And they're like, I've done nothing. And Kim's like, I've never done fillers. I'm like, I just did like a little Botox, like once or twice. And it's like, I'm kind of obsessed with the audacity to just look at us and be like, yeah, no, just lip. It's just lip liner. <laughs> They're so crazy. I saw that photo of Chloe at the beach the other day where she's like the skinniest person I've ever seen, which is like all of a sudden an ass for days. And I'm just like, that is not real. None of this is real. You've had everything sucked out and then some stuff sucked back in. And for you, like, I think you've had your bones rearranged and for you to walk around and act like that's no one's business to comment on. I'm sorry, but like, then you can't have any of it. Like you can't, make your entire life the topic of conversation and then get to like choose where the line is. Yeah. No, agreed. And actually, yeah, you're you're making me realize too. I I never like I never try to make anything out of like talking about people's bodies and like appearance, even celebrities, like it just doesn't have to be part of the conversation. But it's like, yeah, everyone can see that Kim and the family have like changed the race of who they're dating now and changed their body to go with it and their weight like uh, whatever I don't want to get too far into it but like Kim is looking like a little sickly to me lately and I'm getting concerned like if this is just going to be like a new trend that comes back with like the whole 2000s like I know body trends you know it is and it's very stressful because it's to say that this doesn't have like a really dramatic and negative impact upon women there's a TikToker I follow called residual data and she posts a lot of really interesting stuff about um, the way photoshopping and the way various types of plastic surgery like affect the literal minds of young women. And like, it is real. Like it's really dangerous. It's very bad for people's self-esteem. And I'm not saying that like, they don't deserve bodily autonomy. Obviously they do, but I'm just like, I think if you have this level of influence, like there is a responsibility. They didn't accidentally end up there. I think that Kylie and Kendall, you could argue have a little bit less kind of less of an active role in where they are in society because they were so young when it all started. But like the rest of them, they were all like legal adults actively choosing to pursue this level of fame Yeah, and they achieved it. And now they're like, I don't know. It's like, you can't be like, I'm not a role model. (laughs) Yeah, I, I know. I know. And I mean, I feel like so much of like this podcast is just me processing the trauma that like the early 2000s inflicted on me as like an impressionable youth (laughs) I like have to revisit these topics and be like okay I know it's wild but like then when I actually like rewatch some of the shows like read the articles that were like written at the time I still like my jaw is like constantly on the floor and I'm like how am I still getting shocked by this like I lived through it wasn't that long ago you know yeah I had a tiktok that went like did like okay recently where I talked about like the expectation of beauty currently, which I think is really fucked up the way people will like do a full face of makeup just to like make TikToks. And, and so because of that, we're constantly seeing very beautiful and like polished and manicured people. Like everyone is doing like model off duty style and makeup to like go grocery shopping. They're doing like a get ready with me and putting on like a full on fancy outfit and full face of makeup to like, hit up Trader Joe's and then like make a TikTok about like how they make tea. And so I made this video being like, I think we forgot what like a normal face looks like. Like everyone has just like completely lost touch with it because we're seeing such like polished, manicured, filtered 
bullshit constantly. And then like the next, I think like less than a week later, someone made a comment on a TikTok that I made being like, you should fill in your eyebrows. It would look better. And it's like, listen, you idiot bitch. I do fill in my eyebrows when I'm putting on makeup and you're right. It does look better, but I don't have a responsibility to like look beautiful in every TikTok that I make off the cuff. It was literally a TikTok about like losing my keys that I like made randomly when I got into my apartment. Cause I like couldn't find my keys. And it's just like this expectation we have for everyone to like stay gorgeous all the time and to like never show their face in public unless it's like polished and manicured to say that like the Kardashians haven't like led this effect, I think is wrong. And I'm so sick of their bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, no, same. And like, I like to think I'm kind of like immune to like the pressures of social media, but then it's like, and then I'm like reminded that like, I'm absolutely like a complete sucker for it. Like it was like the cheesiest video that I saw recently. Um, but it somehow like made an impression on me where they were talking about like sunset photos and how sunset photos are never even close to as beautiful as like the actual sunset when you're there for it. And they were like, so then you're taking photos of yourself and you're getting mad at what it looks like and you're expecting. And I was like, actually, that's kind of brilliant. And it helps me to like deal with my own stuff. Cause yeah, like, Oh my God, when you're on social media, I mean, I don't know how much like men get comments about their appearance. I imagine it's like less than us, but like my favorite one recently that I got was like, I mentioned that I'm like a 33 year old Canadian. Someone wrote, wow, those must be some rough Canadian winters. <laughs> I was like, you fucker. Fuck off. I mean, yeah. I, oh yeah. So what you're saying about like the two thousands, like the two thousands, the way that that affected my like body image is so fucking like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to undo it. I'm just like, <laughs> No, no one made it out unscathed, like truly, like everyone um, had baggage from that. But I also love like one of the things on your podcast and even just beyond the podcast, like why celebrity memoirs are like one of my favorite genre of books is because it's just like, it's nice to see people having a redemption moment, like Mm -hmm. this like redemption arc because like they were on the front lines. Like I think any celebrity, especially like the girls and the gays that had to be famous during that time, but the men too, like they all had to go through so much shit. Like they had the full intensity of these like ideals projected onto them. And so to see them be like processing that, I'm like, good for you. Good for you. They, God, we just read for next week's episode, Tyra Banks's book. (laughs) And it's like nonsense, obviously. Like it's mostly fluff, but she did have one chapter. Do you remember when she was photographed in that bathing suit and everyone like said that she looked like the fattest person on earth. And then she like wore the bathing suit on her show to be like, that was just a bad angle. And now that moment has been received. Like people reflect back on it and they're like, how fucked up is it that Tyra's response to body shaming was to show up and be like, actually... I'm not as big as you think I am, but I will say reading it and thinking about that moment, thinking about the Jessica Simpson's mom jeans moment. I think we like are also not considering what it's like to be like globally body shamed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like for her to not have a perfect response to it, especially for her to not have a response that holds up to like 2022 standards. Now that we've like really done a lot more reflecting on body image and beauty standards. I think that like people have forgotten what it's like to just like be the person in the moment for Jessica Simpson's mom jeans incident. For example, they asked the president if he had a comment on how fat she looked in those jeans. They like literally went to the president of the United States for a quote to be like, do you have anything to say about this moment for a size four woman? Yes. Yes. 
And I think if I remember correctly, I think you and Claire like weren't the biggest fans. Like you kind of had like mixed thoughts on the book. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from like a long time ago, but like for me, I think it was just this runaway success, like only really hinging on the fact that she just waited 20 years and then was like, I could have said something the whole time. I was offered so much money, but I didn't want to make other women feel like shit and be like, actually I'm size four. And like, yeah, she's like, then what is everyone else who is that or above that? Like, how would that make them feel? And I'm just obsessed with her playing the long game and waiting and then be like, and this is what happened. Me too. And I think that that's what Tara honestly tried to do, but less effectively because she was saying that like, (laughs) I don't know. It was, it's really interesting to like, think about what it's like to be a woman who was like a public person during that time. And like the way that we would see someone like bend over and have a crease. And then like every news outlet would be like, look who's fat now. And it's just like, what the fuck? That person is like a body. It's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Or like our favorite girl, Rachel Hollis, um, like the fact that she could even become famous, like five years ago from being like, I have cellulite and I'm brave. And we were like, oh my God, like <laughs> we were really there, like not that long ago. Not, it was so recent. <laughs> and that's why I do feel like I definitely don't really fully know how to talk about it effectively because I like, it's just hard. And I think that the way that there's an expectation for anyone to like have a perfect statement it's like, this is such a new conversation for anyone who acts like it isn't. Like, it's obviously not new in like people's lives and in various circles, but like in the media, in public presentation, it is like new for people to just like have various bodies. I know it really is. And like, yeah, I'm interested to see what like Tyra actually has to say about all this because there's a lot there. It's a rich text. Um, she talks about her response. She thinks her response was perfect, but like, and I don't think her response was perfect, but I do see how in that moment, her response was the best response she could do. And I think that she deserves like more credit for that because I do think that like being body shamed on that level is like so batshit that to expect anyone to have a perfect response is like, how could they? (laughs) Yeah. I remember seeing that magazine. Like I remember waiting in line at the grocery store with my parents like and her being like you call this fat and it was like a tube top bathing suit like it's steered into my brain and I remember like memorizing that and being like okay so she is not fat and then I'm like and then how do I like it was just I remember like that spiraling in high school because of that whole incident yeah same I remember being like I don't understand I like looked it up again the other day and I was like holy I mean it's just another Jessica Simpson's mom jeans incident where you're like yeah what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, so to change topics a little bit, this might be like a sneak preview, but I am curious if Tyra Banks mentions where she was on 9-11, which is <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my favorite things from your podcast. I'm sure everyone here listens in case you guys don't. Every celebrity I've discovered through you guys is obsessed with talking about where they were on 9-11. <laughs> Yeah, they love to mention 9-11, like a lot of them. Tyra, I like don't think she did okay. for some reason. I wonder where she was on 9-11. I've been noticing this about more than 9-11. Celebrities love to like kind of use someone else's trauma to like illustrate some sort of learning without having to like reveal too much about themselves. And I think that's a big thing about 9-11. Yeah. It like shows their way to like, I don't know, have 
experienced tragedy that we can all relate to because we were all somewhere on 9-11 except for the kids I guess but (laughs) (laughs) well yeah you know we were all somewhere and we were all very shocked by it like I remember like I just I was thinking about the way that like obviously everyone was scared it like made everyone think a lot but the fact that it needs to be in so many memoirs I'm just like did it though or are you just trying to like show that you've seen stuff (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was in grade seven and I remember my English teacher like heard the news and then started calculating things on the board and was like muttering about how like maybe 10,000 people are dead and started like multiplying things. (laughs) We were all just watching him like unraveling and we were like, I don't know, 12 or 13. And we were just like, okay. Like, so obviously many people have way more traumatic stories, but like, I just... (laughs) unless you were like right there I think we don't really we're good like yeah I mean I was in Chicago and the big trauma where I was is that we like thought we're like oh Chicago is a big city it could be us next so everyone like was like making disaster plans in Chicago because they're like well if they hit New York of course they're coming for Chicago we're just as good (laughs) I think I like it's so wild to think about now because it's like now I feel like the world is like a dumpster fire where like there's just another like nightmarish situation like every other day and like you know I mean this kind of thing would be shocking at any point but yeah there was even some of that talk in Montreal like even people were like it's gonna be every major city next and we don't know who did and like I'm like Montreal I think I don't think we're like a major metropolitan like global (laughs) destination I don't feel like anyone's like mad at Montreal on like a regular basis No, unless they're like maybe um, an Anglophone here. There's there's a little like French versus English constant war, but that's like its own little myopic Canadian thing. That's so funny. Um, yeah, it's very ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, it's not about me and where I was on 9-11. Even though I guess now I've told my 9-11 story. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to move on. Um, to talk about the Don't Worry Darling drama. And I really want to get into it. And I'm glad you and I are talking about it because I'm just, I'm really only interested in kind of talking about this with people that live and breathe pop culture because there are truly so many layers to this that I would like to unravel. Can I say something like kind of off topic, but like on topic? Yeah. Okay. I feel like people think that knowing a lot about pop culture is like a fun party games topic. Like, oh, you know a lot about these celebrities. Like, like I'll get introduced that way at parties. My friends will introduce me and be like, oh, she knows everything about pop culture. And someone will be like, oh, what do you think about the Will Smith spot? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And actually being this involved in pop culture has made it not fun for me to talk about it with someone who doesn't know as much because I like don't want to hear their like top line bullshit, most liked tweet take that they like don't know about at all. I'm so sick of it. I like can't have a conversation with someone who hasn't done like 10 hours of research first, which I know is really fucked up. And I know most people haven't, but like, I do know people that have like anyone who like listens to our podcast or like is in our DMS, like they mostly know what they're talking about because they like listen to us talk about it nonstop and they're doing their own research and they're watching all the same TikToks as me and all the same, like whatever. And you know what I mean? But like at a party or just like out out when someone is like, I'm like, what do you want to know? I'm like, do you want to know a fact? Like, is there a specific thing? Or like, what are we talking about? Like, what are we discussing? Because if you don't have like something, I, like I was talking to someone, they're like, oh, I heard that in Will Smith's book, 
at one point he like threw up because he was having sex so much. And like, that seems unrealistic to me because blah, blah. And I was like, that is the least important part of his fucking book. If that's what you want to talk about from Will Smith's book, I can't have a conversation with you. Yes. Yes. And like, like in that moment, I felt like an insane person being like, I don't know what to say to you about that other than it's not important to me. <laughs> um, oh my God. I, I had my own losing my mind moment. Um, the friend I'm staying with last night was like, is Gaylor a real thing? Like, is like Taylor Swift being gay a real thing? And I was like, <gasps> we, I'm if like, you are going to ask me if Gaylor is real. Then you need to go, you need to go read some stuff and then we can talk about it in a month. Like I can't educate you on the I whole know. process. I can't sit here and be like, Google Taylor and Carly at the concert. Google like Wonderland. Look up this, look up that. There's too much. There's too much. I know I'm, I was like malfunctioning and like frantically sending TikToks. I was like, you need to watch these three in order. And then we can talk. And it, it was like already losing interest. I'm like, see, this is the thing. Like, don't go there. If you don't really go there, you're either going to get a full lecture or we're going to like get into it. Um, you know, it's funny though, to go off of you talking about like um, talking to people who aren't part of this world, because it really is its own language. I had this stone thought the other night where I was like, some pop culture podcasts are kind of like, the 100 level if it was like university and some are like a 400 level and it's like you if you're gonna listen to like the 400 level you have to have like done your own research or you have to listen to like several episodes to catch up on the language and the and whatever before you start dming questions do you know what i mean like yeah or yeah you can be in first year university and take a 400 level class but you just know you're going to be confused and just sit back and just do as much listening as you can before you speak up and I don't want to be a dick like everyone's welcome but also like if you're gonna ask a question like what's this Gaylor situation you had to read an article by yourself first because that is top level information that is out there like even Rolling Stone is writing about it now like you can find that information very easily and that I think is big TikTok culture stuff where people will like call everything gatekeeping that's not what gatekeeping is. That's like a Googleable question. And if you ask that to someone sitting next to you, they'd say, fucking Google it, bitch. Like when you ask your friend who's sitting next to you, like, hey, what time is the movie we're seeing that we both picked out and bought tickets together? Like you can look it up or I can look it up. We can both look it up. We have to just do it. You can't make someone else do that work for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think I don't think it's you being an asshole. Like, and when I say somewhere at a 100 level, that's not even to put them down. I think there's a place for the like e-news, like, this happened today. Like that kind of coverage where it's literally just like the facts in a very superficial way. That is totally fine to engage on that level or like you're just trying to like learn about a timeline or something. It's like there's that and then there's a niche for like the people that just want to get right into it. Yeah, it is like crazy when someone will like message us something just like, I don't know, please look that up yourself. Yeah. I don't want to be rude and say Google it. Like, cause I do love, I have a lot of interesting DM conversations about like interesting thought provoking things. And like, sometimes I learn stuff or like I'll make missteps and I really do want people to like talk it out with me and stuff. But then sometimes I'm like, when did this happen? I'm like, I'm not, I have a job. I'm really paying my bills here. Like just please, please look that up. For the people that like have as much, like, I mean, we have really great conversations and like the comments on our stuff are always like, like a lot of times really interesting and people have like really interesting takes that I hadn't thought of. But like the other day, I forgot who I was even commenting on, but we, I was basically saying something like, Oh, I don't even want to talk about the whatever thing. 
And they're like, wait, what's the whatever thing? And it's like, well, that you should Google. Like, I just set a boundary. I just said I didn't want to talk about it. Like that literally was what happened. I was like, this is a topic I like don't even want to get into. And if you don't know what happened in that topic, Google that name and see yeah. what's going on with them and what I don't want to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like similarly, I would never expect someone to have this as their passion if it's not. But I'm like, if you are going to ask me about it, like then we'll <laughs> talk about it. Although I do love, um, <laughs> this was like a few months ago, but I like went to this party and I was like talking to this couple for a while. And like, we realized that like the wife had like seen myself on TikTok, or whatever. And her husband, like, they like found me on Instagram. They're like, sorry, we just, we needed a follow up question. Is this couple real? And I'm like, <laughs> I love, it was like at three. I'm like, I love how you guys were like discussing it and thinking about it and be like, I just need this confirmed. I'm like, okay, that's kind of, so that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun for me. Um, that's really fun. Okay. So let's talk about like the don't worry darling of it all. Like I'm sort of wondering like where to begin and, and maybe I'll, I'll just give like a very, very brief overview of like the timeline just needs to get up to speed. I needed a refresher before talking about it. Like there has been a lot that's been happening. It's been a lot. Yeah. Um, basically there's been a lot of rumors throughout the whole filming that there was like tension between Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde. Um, the first kind of like, I think big version of that was when like Florence Pugh posted about like another movie that she's in on the same day that Olivia Wilde was doing promo for Don't Worry Darling. Um, and then there was just like a bit of tension too, where like Florence Pugh was like, everything's about sex. Like it's really reductive. She gave that interview to Harper's Bazaar. And then I think like a few days later, clearly it had been pre-recorded. Olivia Wilde was like, this is all about sex and like all about sex for women. We love this. And like, I think we all saw the tape probably of her, Olivia Wilde, talking to Shia LaBeouf. I'll put it in the show notes if anyone hasn't seen it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, it went pretty viral. Um, yeah, and then we've just been watching an unraveling of the messiest, most awkward press conference since then. It's so messy. So what are your thoughts on Olivia and all of this? Because I... We were talking about a tiny bit before we started recording, and I agree with you that I don't think she deserves to be, like, panned for bad behavior necessarily as a director if we're comparing her to, like, directors at large. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, I guess there's, like, two separate issues happening for me. There's, like, what I think of her actions and then what I think of, like, how the public addresses her actions. And, like, for me, mainly on TikTok, I've just been talking about what the court of public opinion is saying and how they treat different directors. And like people have been really treating it as like me endorsing Olivia Wilde's behavior. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about the way that we talk about them. Um, and I know like the standards are so low for like how people are treated on movie sets. Like it sounds just like horrible and abusive, like across the board um, throughout like film and TV. But like, I think that we're really skewering her as this like evil, <laughs> like evil seductress, like running off with like Harry and like being terrible and talking about that. And most male directors are known for being like nightmarish and literally either verbally or physically abusive. Um, so there's that. And at the same time, I'm not a like Olivia Wilde stan, no matter what. I think her calling Florence Pugh Miss Flo is like, yeah, she's she's definitely a part of the problem. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I guess that there's like a bunch of different things that I think all at once. And one of my like top line thoughts about this whole thing is that like the pursuit of like a certain level of fame is always evil. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that like people who want, like, that's why I don't trust Taylor Swift. I'm a huge Swifty. I love her, but like the level of fame that she clearly needs, do you know what I mean? Like the level of success and like global adoration that she obviously needs is not good. Ashley, we're the, we're the same kind of Swifty. Like, I think she is yes. both the songwriter and sing- of our generation and an evil capitalist, like, I don't know, yes. military leader. She's terrifying. And so I was just re-listening to something, an interview that I did recently because I wanted to make sure I didn't say anything psychotic. <laughs> and I <laughs> said that I didn't trust Harry Styles in it. And I was really scared that I would get like murdered for it. But then all of this stuff this last week happened where people started getting a little bit wavery on him. And I was like, oh, thank God, perfect timing. But I do think, okay, because we were talking about the PR relationships that he's been in. And I do think that there are a couple kinds of PR relationships. One of them is obviously raise our status PR relationship where like two people are in a relationship to like help one or both of them become more famous and like more in the zeitgeist because people talk about the couple. Um, I think some PR relationships are to promote a specific project. And I think some PR relationships exist that you don't ask about that person's other relationship. Like someone will have a real partner that they don't want in the public eye. So then they have a PR partner so that people don't ask about their personal life. And I said that I think that the way Harry agreed to date Olivia also, like it shows that they were both willing to go into this situation to promote their project and like rise their public stars. And my friend was like, well, I actually think that maybe Harry's in a PR relationship to not raise his star and to promote the project, but to hide his personal life. Yeah. But I will say, I do think it's star raising. Like, I do think he is, he wants to be Michael Jackson. Like he wants to be the king of pop. Like to say that that's not important to him to say that like image and all this shit isn't like heavily, heavily calculated with him. Like the way that, Olivia Wilde is like this evil seductress who like kind of made him be in this situation because he's just trying to be an actor and a singer and blah, blah, blah. If he was just trying to be an actor and a singer and like be low key, he could do that. I'm sorry. But like everyone, especially in this day and age, if you're as talented as he is, you can like do what you want to do. Like Hozier, that guy could have been a fucking monster success after that album that he had. That was huge. I'm obsessed with Hozier. Um, but he wanted to keep making his music the exact way he wanted to make his music. So he budgets probably (laughs) like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like if Harry Styles like was truly only in it for the art, then he would only be in it for the art. And he's still a zillionaire already. Like he was a zillionaire from One Direction. So like, I guess I do kind of think that like for him to have the level of success and fame that he has right now, it's calculated and it's on purpose. He's not just like accidentally there. So to say that he's like in this situation because like someone else, like Olivia Wilde is evil and he's just there. Like, that's not true. It's not her fault. That was my long-winded way of saying we're mad at Olivia and not Harry when we should, when both of them are clearly being manipulative to us, not to each other. No, totally. I really think everything about Harry Styles is incredibly, incredibly thought out. And I was actually um, talking to someone like six months ago who's like just in the biz. And I was like, 
Harry seems like he's done a good job, like breaking out of One Direction. He seems so like carefree, and she's like, "Oh, every second of that is like planned and calculated." And this like, "Oh, I'm just bopping around. I'm just, I'm just this free, tr-. like, you know, peace and love, like whatever, you know, artistic guy." It's like it, it is. I like some of his music, um, but the whole yeah, the persona is contrived. I enjoy watching it, but yeah, he's also getting into the land of being overexposed. Oh yeah, I like his music, but like a list status like that isn't accidental yeah. ever. No, and no one's pointing to him, and no one's pointing to him as like he's not probably that good of an actor. Like, why is he even like in this in the first place? Yeah, and I do think that that's a huge part of it. Is like one thing is like the protectiveness over Harry Styles. Like that's one point on the Olivia Wilde villain card. You know, like there's all these things that add up to Olivia Wilde being this like villain. When you break them down, she's not like acting alone, but like she might also just be a villain. But then also like, why are we that mad about it? Because everyone in Hollywood is evil. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think of like, you know, even just the way we talk about Stanley Kubrick, like I guess it's not a like perfect comparison because he's from like a different time. But it's like he literally drove people to the brink of insanity on purpose to like get them in the role. Like he he made Shelley Duvall go crazy to like get her into the role of being someone who's losing their mind and it's like he was a genius and like yes the shining's amazing but like you know what i'm saying it's like the way that we talk about it we're like how dare olivia wilde like expose florence Pugh to like shia labeouf and a dangerous person that she didn't feel safe with on set and it's like i don't know i'm just what directors are cuddly and fuzzy and like making everyone feel just like perfectly at ease? Yeah. I mean, the way David O. Russell makes people, you mentioned him earlier. I think he supposedly is like notorious for making people do like a hundred takes in like freezing temperatures. <laughs> um, yes. So I am thinking a lot of David O. Russell and I'm just, I'm so interested that like now filming's going to start for that because now we're going to see, like, I've also had people be like, oh, the way you're talking about, like, Olivia Wilde, you're defending her. Like, if this was a man, you'd be, like, cancel him. And I'm like, first of all, all I do is shit on men. Like, that's most of my time on this platform. Like, I'm just, it's like, I'm going to get to David Russell, but just, like, one more thought about Olivia Wilde. So, like, even when she was talking to Shia, like, it was very Weasley. Like, if I was very condescending to call Florence Pugh Miss Flo. And at the same time, she's been a director before. I can't imagine the amount of like egos you're working with and how much babysitting you have to do and be like, Hey, like you're doing such an amazing job. Like maybe we're just going to like come back on set and like calm down. You know what I mean? Like how much you just to get your art made, you have to like have those types of like sucking up type of conversations. Yeah, no, totally. It's all like behavior, not controlling, but like managing personalities and all that shit especially personalities like shia i mean my god yeah like this shia redemption arc no thank you he's like a literal that's the thing is people are always like oh you're so hard on women it's like yeah because i think female behavior should be analyzed i think men behavior objectively they should just all be in jail like there's nothing to analyze what they did was illegal all the men do illegal stuff and they should go to jail <laughs> there's yeah. nothing to discuss <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My new campaign for presidency is the fact that um, they say prisons are overcrowded, but I'm like, let all the people out on minor drug charges and put all the men <laughs> who do like terrible shit who are walking free, put them in their place. Yeah, of course, the prisons are overcrowded because you're arresting the wrong ones. <laughs> yeah, you're arresting the ones that are just trying to like just have weed on them and just exist. Anyhow, um, okay, just to go to back to David O. Russell, like, 
the reason I'm like thinking about him so much is because we just saw like I think some of the first cast pictures or maybe it was like an announcement it was like one more announcement about the movie um some of the stars include Christian Bale Margot Robbie Chris Rock Zoe Saldana Mike Myers Taylor Swift Rami Malek and Robert De Niro it's like a star-studded cast and I just want to like go through a couple of incidents starting from the year 2000 briefly that uh, David O. Russell has done and like just trigger warning of every possible trigger. So George Clooney in 2000, the year 2000 said that his experience filming with him was truly without exception, the worst experience of his life. And then said that he displayed extremely abusive behavior towards everybody on set and like goes through the, this like horrific quote that he had said, he verbally abused Lily Tomlin on the set of I Heart Huckabees. Um, he was like throwing things, not at her, but like in an argument with her and said like, okay, bitch, like I'm not here to be fucking yelled at. I work on this fucking, like on and on and on. It is just a tirade of curse words at Lily Tomlin. Um, his niece filed a sexual assault claim against him, which got dismissed, but like, okay, will not ever trust. And he made Amy Adams cry on the set of American Hustle. I mean, yeah. Just to name a few. Like, bad person. Um, Christian Bale, also a bad guy. Oh my God. I would love, actually, I don't want any more like abuse on set, but I would like to see them fighting it out because Christian Bale's also known for that behavior on set. Yeah. Listen, here's my thing. Another like complicated level to me with this whole conversation is that, Obviously, a lot of this PR was orchestrated and then didn't go the way they wanted it to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the fact that we got this whole spiel of her firing Shia because of her no assholes policy, like this was all like very specifically placed public information that blew back in her fucking face. And that sucks. But I'm also like, I don't think it should define her as a director. I think I said this the other day, but like, I think this movie supposedly sucks. I've heard it's bad. Booksmart was really good. Booksmart was so good. Director who's 50-50, that's really good. She's also going through a lot right now. There was a whole ass pandemic during the production of this movie. That's difficult. We all had a hard time. She went through a divorce during the production of this movie. Also difficult, I've heard. So like the fact that she perhaps let a spiraling personal life kind of dictate her work yeah it's happened to everybody like I'm pretty sure most people have like not done their best work when they're like dealing with a ton of other shit yeah and in a very public position that's a lot harder to deal with but I also am like I would like to be able to like see her direct again maybe she is like a bad person and a bad director and book smart was a fluke maybe she's like not that good of a person and a good director and don't worry darling was a fluke like there's still so it yeah. goes so many directions still that like for people to be leaping to this conclusion of like we hate this bitch is so incorrect to me. Uh yeah, no, I, I agree. And no, I am I am excited. Like that's what's keeping me hanging on to this mainly is how much I love Book Smart. And so I'm just yes. excited to see what she makes. And like I get that question too about people being like, but you're saying it's PR, but like people had a negative response to it. And I do. I agree that I think it's PR gone wrong. And it's like, on one hand, sometimes people purposefully do messy PR because it generates negative controversy. And like, sometimes 
we're not good at our job. Like everyone's messed up on their job and their teams have messed things up sometimes. Like I think of like Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello. Like I really do think they had like the best of intentions for the PR, but it just like did not, did not go as planned. I mean, the idea that there's no such thing as like a failed PR stunt, like that's crazy. It can be PR and go wrong. I mean, yeah, we're easy to manipulate, but like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we should be proud of ourselves that we're not that easy to manipulate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It speaks well to society that the PR blew up in their own faces. Cause like we didn't take an easily fed story and eat it the exact way that they wanted us to. Congratulations us. Pat on the back for everybody. <laughs> Pat on the back. And like, also it's such a fine line of like playing with fire of like everyone talking about something, being really excited and then be like, wait, we've seen too much of you. Like, no, we hate you now. Yeah. And I think that honestly, to me, it feels like they didn't trust this movie at all no. to like sell itself. Like the fact that there were like eight different storylines in the production of this movie. Yeah. Really to me feels like they put too much into a movie that they like didn't think was going to sell tickets. Yeah, to me, like, that is PR gone wrong. It's usually when they do too much. Like, they think no one's going to notice, no one's going to talk about it, they have to, like, make this big bang. Like, the best PR to me is, like, just short and sweet. It's, like, some gimmicky little silly thing. Like, like Anne Hathaway dressing up, like, the devil, like, in her Devil Wears Prada outfit. Perfect. No notes. I think that's hilarious, nostalgic, like, and it's great. And it's, like, less is less is more. Don't do so much next time, Olivia. Yeah, like, if they had had her, like, pick up, Anna Wintour's purse and like carry her coat behind her, I would have been like, oh, too much. We're doing too much. <laughs> or like we see her like throwing her like iPhone into a fountain at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too much. Like if and if she shows up as Andy Sachs like 10 other times this week, I'll be like, oh, too much. But like we just it, never see her in any other outfit as <laughs> just all of her dollars product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be too much. Um I don't know. I think that there is like a certain amount. Like I think if she had just dated Harry Styles for a bit, it, everyone would have been like, oh, interesting. Maybe I'll like think about this movie. Like, I don't know. Well, someone in my DMs was like, do you think production got delayed and they just didn't plan on having to like pretend to date this long? I was like, that's a really good point. Like imagine they were just like, hey, filming's going to be like this date to this date. Like, cool. And then it's like COVID hits. and They're like, oh shit. Like we've started something. Now we have to see it through. <laughs> Also, I don't feel like them dating was actually received that well. I wonder if people thought it would be like cuter when they came up with it. Because she's hot. He's hot. But like, hey, just like thinking of Anne Hathaway, like I think now people are like, whatever, like fine with her. But like everyone used to hate her like deeply. Like it was like a hobby to hate her. I do feel like regardless of what Olivia Wilde has actually done, I think she has a bit of that. Like people just like love to hate her. I've noticed. Yeah, I think sometimes people get a little overexposed and everyone like loses their shit. And then you kind of like winning people back is not easy and it's not definite. And one of the big qualities in earning people back, I think, is a blank slate. So they kind of have to forget about you to like you again. Like, and you have to be able to make fun of yourself and you have to be able to like people hated Anne Hathaway. Then when she was in Ocean's Eight, even though that movie was like, not good and halfway making fun of herself people loved like people went crazy for it we hadn't seen her in years and then all of a sudden she's like back she's playing herself it's funny it's like tongue-in-cheek she's in on the joke she doesn't even care she's not like 
eagerly trying to win back our approval, but she's like, I know you guys think I'm just like a vapid idiot. So here I am being a vapid idiot. So (laughs) yeah, people love self-awareness and like, it is the ticket to like most successful, like just getting people to like you. But it's like, I do think it's like in short supply amongst the famous people. Like if they could to actually do self-awareness in a way where it's not your team being like, okay, here's how we're going to like make this authentic image. To pull off self-awareness, you have to have self-awareness. And a lot of them don't. Like, I do believe that Anne Hathaway is self-aware. And I do believe that like, there was just, it was like a moment in time when we hated earnestness and she was like deeply earnest and everyone was like, this is disgusting actually. And so then she all of a sudden just like got a lot of hate, but like, she is self-aware. You know what I mean? Whereas like, if you're not self-aware, you can't pull off like acting (laughs) self-aware. Yeah. Maybe that's what Olivia Wilde is lacking. I don't know. We'll see how this whole thing unravels. I think, let's see, when's the release date? It's supposed to come out on September 23rd. So it'll be coming out soon. Um, And everyone who's been jumping on the bandwagon of like getting your pitchforks out for Olivia Wilde, you better bring that same energy to David O. Russell's Amsterdam. Yeah. We'll see. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. See, um, okay, I think we have time for like one more quick topic. So just for some background, like this topic that's been on my mind that Ashley had brought up to you, like this is another kind of like pop culture 400 level question or like 300, whatever. It's just like, it's something that has a lot of layers to it, which is just like celebrities that go through public meltdowns and just how we talk about them and like when does someone become like this joke versus people being like no guys like this is bad like they need help like you should back off and I'm thinking specifically of like three recent kind of like unravelings that we're seeing of Gabby Hanna, Cara Delevingne and Kanye West and like the very different ways they're treated yeah it's a big topic (laughs) I guess I first of all think that we don't think 
oh, you guys, this person needs help back off until it's definitively too late. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's very, like, there's a 30% chance it's already raining. Like, watching Cara <laughs> yeah. Delevingne yeah. act kind of off kilter at award shows. And, like, when you watch videos from her on the Met Gala red carpet, like, she's not well, but people were making fun of it because it wasn't, like, so, so, so obvious to literally anybody that there was, like, a dangerous problem afoot. <laughs> But now that you look at, like, you cannot look at a video of her and be like, silly. Like, you look at a video of her and even with no understanding that, like, you could be an alien who's never heard of drugs and be like, what is she on? She needs help. But I don't think until there's, like, a very obvious, dangerous moment, anyone is, like, willing to give enough empathy (laughs) or sympathy or worry. That's true. And because part of like this whole circus of celebrities that they're, they're supposed to put on these little shows for us. And that includes like when they're out getting their coffee or like pulling little stunts, like doing unusual things that like famous people would do. So it's like when, you know, does it become a joke? And like um, Cara Delevingne on the red carpet, it's like, it's one time. And so people can kind of be like, oh my God, like we can laugh at it. And also like, I need to remember how young people are on TikTok because like when I see someone clenching their jaw, I'm like, okay, like drugs. And like, I'll make some comment about that. And people are like, what does that mean? I'm like, babe, like, you know what? Get off this app. Okay. Yeah. You don't need to know right now. But then her like recently, yeah. Anyone, a 13 year old, anyone could recognize that that is like, yeah, someone who's very in a bad state with drugs. Like the way she's stumbling around, dropping her phone, like, like her face, you're just like, okay, she's very obviously unwell yeah so I think it is and I do think I don't I think it's gonna sound like I'm blaming celebrities but I'm blaming the people I think like because fame is like one of the most coveted versions of success like we're so obsessed with fame and relevancy like everyone wants it for five minutes for 10 minutes like if you have it people are obsessed with holding on to it people will do insane things to hold on to fame because we're like this is the greatest thing you can achieve and if you have achieved it, don't let it go. There's no, like, for people to, like, step away from it when they need help. Like, that's so hard for someone to decide because they've achieved, like, what our society deems the greatest thing. Like, it's not even money. It's not even, like, you know, health or happiness. It's fame that people are obsessed with. And so if you have fame, like, stepping out of the public eye for, like, one month, two months, a year to, like, get your health in order, people don't do it because first of all, they're incentivized for just being famous. Then those like wacky moments that are actually like severe cries for help are like incentivized. They're made news. You're getting more famous for these like confusing behaviors. And so to like have the wherewithal when you're in a mental health crisis to be like, actually, I need to step away from the spotlight right now in order to get healthy. Like, of course no one can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, part of me wants to blame their teams like for being like yes people and and I'm referring specifically like to people that have ongoing issues like I mean I think Cara Delevingne's had issues for a while um Kanye West definitely and like I think they're surrounded by a lot of yes people and at the same time I do think at a certain point there also has to be some responsibility from the celebrities part when they're well to be like okay this is my life so I'm going to put the mechanisms in place so that when I start to go down that whole like I have people that I trust come in and like there's a plan you know 
Yeah. I think that that's so hard to find because especially for someone like Kanye, like for Kara, um, I, I wonder like how much her family and friends have like intervened. I don't think she's necessarily like got the exact payroll that someone like Kanye would have, but for Kanye, for him making like big statements and doing things that are newsworthy, that's only selling more music. And so like, no one has his best interest in mind. Everyone around him is probably on the payroll. Their money is only going up. Like they want people like, this is like the Britney Spears thing, right? They want someone who's like teetering on that edge because if you can like balance on the edge, you're making the most money, getting the most press, getting the most attention. It's getting everybody more money. As soon as you topple over the edge, that's when it's not worth it. It's too late. You've lost your shit. But like being on that edge is perfect, but you can't balance on that edge. That's like literally impossible. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's almost impossible to define. And like, even more so with someone like Kanye, who like, how do you separate what is a delusion of grandeur when it's like, if you heard him talking about Yeezys before that was a thing, if he's like, I'm going to make billions of dollars of like plastic foamy shoes. You'd be like, okay, you're like, you're in an episode, but like, I have the Yeezy slides. Like I'm sold on, you know, like, and wow. I think when I first saw them, I was like, what is this? But like, he does have those visions for the future. And like, if you read interviews with like rock stars and celebrities and people like that, they like, if you are a drug user, even if it's pretty dangerous, but you're fairly maintained and you can still do your job, your team will supply you. Like there are like full people on tours who are just like making sure musicians get their fix so that they can get on stage. And it's like, no one cares about you getting sober. They care about you being able to churn out content, music, projects, etc. If you're still yeah. turning it out, you can be on whatever drugs they think keep you the most productive and they'll do it. They'll like actively keep you there. And no one's trying to like save you until it becomes a problem. And then they only want to save you to get you back on the money-making train. It's not about your health. And so like, if you are suffering from like side effects of addiction, aside from like just the literal, like like delusions and paranoia and things like that. You're like, Oh, no one cares about me. I'm not going to listen to you. Like all you want is for me to get back on stage. That's true. Like that's not even a like paranoid delusion. That's literally what's happening. How do you trust people and then like achieve recovery? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just trying to stay on the payroll. They're like, what do you need? Do you need drugs? Do you rehab? Like, what do you, what do we got to do here? Like, (laughs) yeah. Like no one's saying no, because that will cost them. Like, it's not even because yeah. they like even care. It's because they, they care so much about themselves and not whoever they're like working with or for or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and also like, when I talk about comparing like these different celebrities, I do think that Kanye is always in his own category. Like, I think there's like certain rules that generally apply to like fame and celebrities. I think he has completely his own set of rules and the way that he operates And like, I don't know what's going through his mind. I mean, obviously, clearly right now, currently, there's problems happening. And I do think like, I definitely don't condone his actions at all. Like a lot of things he said, but also like, I think he's not looked at with as much sympathy as maybe like a female celebrity or white celebrity going through a mental health crisis. So there's, there's that. But yeah, he's, he's really on his own planet. Yeah. Like truly. I don't know. It's bad. 
Well, and then, yeah. And it's like, you know, I brought up Gabby Hanna at the beginning of this because I don't know for anyone who's not on TikTok, it's just like YouTuber, TikToker. She had a manic episode and she made like in one day, like hundreds of TikToks, did a lot of controversial things. But it's like in that time, she said a lot of incredibly racist things. And everyone was like, I get it. They like were like, look, like she was going through an episode. You can't hold people accountable for that. And it's like, I know Kanye West is a whole different story, but like that doesn't really seem to ever get applied to him. Yeah. I think there are a lot of times that people have trouble like reconciling that. Cause I, it is like true. And there are some people who mention it and then they get kind of like thrown out when you're like, what was up with that MAGA phase? (laughs) Um, but (laughs) yeah, I do think it like is going to be in like the greater like people's growing understanding of mental health because it's like people do have mental health crises that doesn't mean they get a complete like blank slate like start over nothing you said counts is all I think gonna kind of come with like growing mental health education and awareness but yeah Right now, what people like don't really know, and then a huge problem with the internet is people like seeing one thing and then blanket applying that to too many things and like not using critical thought. Like there is just like such a lack of critical thinking that like people will see the way someone's talking about Gabby Hanna and then just like apply that overall to like everything. And it's just like n- nuance too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance and like a lot more in-depth conversations we need to have as a society rather than just like mental health counts like it's not just about that and it's like I mean as someone who like struggles with mental health myself I mean part of my maybe delusion is I think everyone does but like you know I I definitely I don't think it's a carte blanche to just do whatever you want and say whatever you want and I think that gets overused at the same time like I get if I've been like depressed and like not answering people's calls. Like I think I totally, it's totally valid that they're like frustrated with that. So it's not, it's an apples and oranges, but I see both sides and maybe that's like the next step in like the types of conversations we have as a society. Yeah. I think it is just going to come with like people learning how to have these conversations and like learning that like nuance exists. And no one, like, knows anything. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that there's always someone who stomps in as the expert and everyone's like, well, that's what what it is then. And it's like, well, use your brain. We haven't, yeah, we haven't put enough distance between us and, like, Freud or, like, literally, like, anything of the past, like, 50 years. I feel like every every year we're like, oh, five years ago, that was extremely outdated. And we don't believe that now about mental health. Yeah. And I also feel like it's going to come with like people like literally just using their brains. Like, are you just like regurgitating things you heard someone say just now? Or are you thinking about it and you think these things like think about stuff? (laughs) Yeah. I fear for people's like critical thinking. And um, most of the people that I podcast with are Americans. Most people listening are Americans and I love them so much. And I, also fear for the American education system. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Just like definitely have problems all around the world. But like, yeah, that's the thing that I'm noting about. That's like also part of the problem, but that's a greater topic not for today. Yeah. There's just like, it's bad. Well, the things I see in the comments, I'm like, how do you function? Like 
I actually don't know how you like have gotten to the store, gotten home, like paid your bills on time. Like I struggle with that stuff. I consider myself pretty smart. Like, I guess also like incompetent, maybe at basic things. Like, I'm just like, how is this like how you're going about the world? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't under. I mean, it's, it's like weird because I have a real like coastal elitism or like a big city elitism about me. I'm like from the Midwest, but I am from like outside Chicago and I live in New York. And sometimes I like hear people talk and be like, I know I'm being a dick right now, but think about what you're saying. (laughs) You, you were always meant to be a New Yorker. I know. I really love it. I love yelling at people. (laughs) Um, yeah, actually I think Montreal is very similar. Um, I've realized, and like, I have never felt that more than like currently being out West, but after having like not been here for a while, I keep being like, why are people smiling at me? Like what the fuck? Like, and then be like, oh, they're being nice. Oh yeah. They're just being nice. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm really currently at least meant for the grumpy lifestyle. Um, I know I like love talking to people, but I hate talking to idiots. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, idiots. Actually not sorry. Cause you guys probably aren't listening to you smart bunch look like I don't I agree like I don't know I I um I had this British grandfather and sometimes I think about him because he used to storm around going I'm surrounded by idiots <laughs> just oh my god my dad says that no way is he yeah. British or is this just a general grumpy man thing <laughs> so I think it's a grumpy man he loves to say I'm surrounded by idiots I think it's a quote from something I don't know it's a satisfying thing to say yeah, I, I guess I'm like, listen, if someone actually believes something and has like a thought behind it, I have no problem like discussing it with them and like, or even arguing actively. But if someone just like is going to regurgitate some bullshit that like literally makes no sense, if you think about it for four seconds, I can't have a conversation with you because what you're saying is nonsense. And I can't argue with you and I don't know what to do about it. And that is most of America. <laughs> Yeah, it's a place of extremes, but we love we love her. We love America around here. Awesome. <laughs> well, I love I love the little like, oh my god, I didn't even realize this. I was talking about American politics and people being reasonable, and I said I think there's a silent majority of people that are like very reasonable. And someone was like, "Silent majority is a Trump dog whistle." I was like, "Damn it!" Like, oh my god, <laughs> like never mind. Yeah. There's quiet quiet folks that are just really embarrassed about what's going on. Yeah. I just think that like, if you think about it, then you have to admit that you're an idiot and no one wants to do that. Yeah. Um, I like to toe the line. I like to have it all and consider myself, you know, adding some smart girl content to the world and also being a complete idiot myself. So there you go. Like I am stupid, but like, I don't know. I feel like if I can't back something up, I will fold on it pretty quickly unless I'm just being like a stubborn for some reason. And so when people can't do that, I'm like, I don't know, man, stop. If you say just because, or like, that's what it is. Or like, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) No, no. Then they're just, then they're just looking to like road rage on the internet at some random person at that point, basically. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, Ashley, this has been so lovely. Time's just flown by. It's been great chatting with you today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. You're so welcome. Um, I'm sure everyone knows where to find you, but just let, let the people know. Yeah. You can find me at Celebrity Memoir Book Club and then on TikTok and Instagram and the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And then I'm Ashley Ham with three M's on um, like Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much, Ashley. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, guys, that's it for today. Don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review. Heck, leave a five-star review while you're at it. Follow me on Instagram. It's become a whole thing and TikTok. And I'll see you next week. Au revoir, mes amours. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.